We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's a Podcast decides to give back to awards community by handing out awards of its own. This is the Arsenal Vision Postmatch Podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Uh, that's right. We don't just receive awards. We want to give awards as well. So we are going to give some end-of-season awards to players, to games, to managers, to transfer moves, to strategies, to podcasts, uh, all, all manner of things will receive awards. But because we still want hashtag clicks, downloads, listens, uh, we will talk transfers. We'll save plenty of time at the back half of this to talk about uh, how many Dortmund players is the right number of Dortmund players to sign. Don't worry, we'll get to that. We'll get to it with a full panel of experts. <laughs> Hashtag quote, quote, experts, air quotes. Uh, Tim, you can find him on Twitter at Stilberto. Hello, Tim. Hello. Paul, you can find him on Twitter at Posing in My Pants. Hello, Pause. Hello. No, that's that's straight out. No. <laughs> nope, that's not on at all. Okay, there you go. And Clive's on Twitter at Clive PAFC. Hello, Clive. Hello, hello. Clive is fresh off a 30-mile bike ride. Uh, he also built two schools for the blind. He uh, planted some trees. I believe he uh, may have scaled a mountain. So Clive is, is exhausted. He has expressed that to me, and we will try to take into account uh, his exhaustion and giving him some time to refresh. Clive, is that okay? That's good. If you see me, you'd probably say, why don't you do 60 miles? <laughs> but hey, that's what it Couldn't hurt. Look, it couldn't hurt. Hey, I had a donut for breakfast. It's all good. Okay, so we are going to hand out some awards for the season. Um, it was maybe an underwhelming season, to say the least. And it feels a little weird looking back on it, I think you can say, because it just feels a million years ago. Now we have a new manager. Um, we are... You know, in the midst of discussing transfers and next season and World Cup, but I think it's always good to put a final 
uh, period, a final point onto the end of the season. And so we'll do that with these awards. And the first one we want to talk about is your player of the season. So, uh, uh, Tim, I'll start with you. Who do you have as Arsenal's player of the season for the 2017-18 season? Um, I have drum roll. No one. No one. Oh, I love this. We're, we're going abstract. We're thinking outside the box. You do not so, think there's a player of the season? No, 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 I don't. So I'm, I'm going to slightly change the question because um, of course, that's what for, me, for me, <laughs> player it, of the, it, <laughs> for me, player of the season means someone who's been consistently brilliant throughout the season. I'm thinking Robert Perez, 2002. I'm thinking Thierry Henry, pick a year. Um, I'm thinking Patrick Vieira, pick a year. That, like, you know, I'm thinking, um, you know, Aaron Ramsey, 2013-14. That, for me, is a player of the season, someone who sets a high standard and keeps it throughout the whole season. There is not a single player in this Arsenal squad that has done that, in my opinion. Um, I think you could make a very weak argument for Nacho Monreal because he's been consistently good. Um, but that, I, I don't think that's a good enough rationale. If you're shooting um, for consistency, someone... can it be Mustafi because he's been con- consistent? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I suppose he's a type of player of the season. Um, so, so for me, the more, the much more interesting question, and I'm giving you a little sneak preview of something I've written for about two and a half weeks' time, is the most improved player of the season. I think that's a much more interesting question because, frankly, nobody has been good throughout the season. Even Ramsey, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a, if you say Ramsey, I wouldn't give you a massive argument against it, but I think there's a fair amount of recency bias in there. He played 36 games. Yeah. If we'd have done this in December, nobody would have said Ramsey. <clears throat> should I, so should me, I skip you for most improved player, by the way? <laughs> um, yeah, maybe. Okay. Um, he's, he's really taken the wind out of not just that award, but really this whole thing with the awards. <laughs> so, so far, he's doing. crossed two awards off as being irrelevant or unanswerable. Thank you for that, Tim. Well, he's well, undermined really all the awards, if you ask me. <laughs> so, so I think most improved player is a much more, um, is a much more interesting question. I'd say Granite Xhaka. For that. It's on um, the list. The list I actually sent you a rundown this time. The one time I send you a rundown, it's on the list. So can yeah. we can we get to it? Is that okay? Do you mind? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll give you my reasons for Granite Jacker oh, later. But okay. yeah, that's that's my short answer. I don't have a player of the season because I don't think anyone deserves it. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for and getting also, this off to a flyer. Eventually, everybody we know and love will die. Yeah, the, the heat death of the well, universe is an inevitability. Is um, Paul. Who is your player of the season? Or if you prefer, just spit out some words that are unrelated to anything I've asked. Yeah, uh, listen, I just don't care the best player of the year award. Is <laughs> just at this give point. me a player of the year. This is off the rails and we're, we're four minutes into it. <laughs> All right, well, Ramsey. He got better as the year went on. Um, and out of, out of the poultry offerings we had, I certainly get the what's the point of picking a best player of the year award. Um we shouldn't actually hand them a trophy and we won't. Uh, but definitely Ramsey. I mean, he built as the year went on. I think uh, Chaka had way too long a period in the year where uh, he wasn't good enough and towards the end he was, but but were they? was he really tested? Um, so I think he's a rival. Anyway, yeah. I, won't, I won't ruin Clive's thunder, but I think the reasons why... Uh, ra- uh, here's the other a- aspect of it. It might be really good timing because I-, I think he's a player who's always felt overshadowed at Arsenal, underappreciated, etc., etc. You know, he he had his blistering year, but somehow that 
through injury and not being able to follow through on it. That was kind of a one-off. Um, and here we are coming up to a potential contract renewal. And it puts him in, a, assuming he's the guy we want to stick around and lead the team forward, which maybe half half the uh, the population base, the Arsenal supporter base, think and maybe half don't. We'll, we can talk about that a little further later on. Um, couldn't be better timing for him to get the appreciation and love and uh, I think he might have got goal of the season on, on the website, but certainly cool. his goal got a lot of attention too. So Yeah. Uh, Clive, you've been getting a lot of uh, kudos for your performances on the podcast so far, so can you please bring all your gravitas and organizational experience to the question of best player of the season? <laughs> well, a little bit like Tim, I might just blow this podcast up. I think um, the, the way I, I look I at... I quit. <laughs> <laughs> the, way, the way I look at um, player of the season, I, I tend to look at it as a, almost like a who's the most valuable player award. Who's the one that played the most? Who's the one that we find hardest to replace? And I'm afraid my player of the season would be Granite Xhaka. I think um, he's played in almost every game, if not every game. He was one of the few players that didn't get rested in some of the in midweek games, some of the cup games. Um, I think he's very valuable to how we played last season. So when I look at these awards, I look at them from a player's perspective, a teammate perspective, and a and a manager's perspective. And the manager obviously sees him as somebody very valuable and important because he kept picking him even when he wasn't playing very well. So. I look at it that way, and I think he ended the season well, which sort of chops Tim's legs off, most improved. But, um, and I think, uh, I, I just think when I look at our pattern of play, when our, you know, when our superstar n- number 11 wasn't always available, Shaka was available and he took on extra responsibility. When And Tony Darren Ramsey, when certain other players weren't available. So um, for me, it's Granit Xhaka. Sure, I, and I don't have a problem with that. I, the only reason I couldn't pick Shaka is because in the period where he really struggled, we really struggled. And unfortunately, that period may have, have cost us being able to be in a top four race. I think... It is, and it was quite a long period. Yeah, well, and it, funny enough, it was a period. It was a period when Jack came into the team and Ramsey got injured. Well, that's what so, I was going to um, say. The reason it has to be Ramsey for me is just because, by your criteria, Clive, in terms of most valuable player, uh, our worst period of the season was was when Ramsey was out. Um, and I, I think it's a difficult season to evaluate because there was so much change in the squad. I mean, I really enjoyed Mkhitaryan Aubameyang, and I think Mkhitaryan, you could make a shout for player of the season in a sense because his performances in the Europa League really lifted us to a semifinal, and his absence from the team in the semifinal was arguably the difference between us maybe getting through it and not. So you could go with a lot of clever answers. I think we're, we're good enough with the ones we picked. Let's stay with players and talk about, I don't want to say worst player, although I'm happy to say worst player, uh, <laughs> but let's say most disappointing player. I'll start. I think the worst player was Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, but I'll let you guys answer the question. Um, most, well, think about it. He played, he played one game against Liverpool. It was terrible and moved there. Anyway, um, most disappointing player, Clive. Who he, would, he was great this season. Uh, not for us. Who was your most disappointing player, Clive? Oh, well, I might kill all your answers, right? So, most disappointing player for me was, um, I don't want to say it, right? But say I, it. I can't. Yeah, say it. Be controversial. <laughs> <laughs> well, the one that disappoints me the most is Mustafi, i, I got to say. And I'm not sure he's the, he's the worst player. I just feel 
his inconsistency was so stark. And um, and at a time when he's one of those core players at a core age, I wanted to see him step up. And um, and I felt on some occasions he found everywhere else to be apart from in the right place. And I just I find some of his low points so low they don't belong at a top six club. They don't belong at a top ten club. And um, he needs to fix that. So for me. He's disappointing. Yeah. It's not all his fault. He was shoved around different partners, different formations. When it comes down to it, these are challenges that you face, and I felt he didn't step up to them. It's a great shout. Um, Paul, do you have anyone else you yes. want to nominate? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Please, who? Also, uh, I want to say, uh, I want to rubbish Clive and your selection indirectly on, on Mustafi, because you both said he's inconsistent while saying he's terrible. Well, I said he was consistent as a joke in the previous really answer. Good. Yeah, but, <laughs> but we do want to forget how good he was when he was good. Sometimes he was very good. Anyway, my most disappointing player. Um, it, uh, so I'm torn between... Um, you have to Kalasinac, pick one, Paul. <laughs> Kalasinac and Czech, and not because I dislike either of them or whatever, but uh, Czech was okay at the start of the season and okay right at the very end but as he came into his run for uh, the clean sheets record he tanked and i think it's i think psychologically maybe the manager was right with his excuse from that it started playing on him his mind simultaneously both his record was going down the tubes um while right in that time was arsenal's worst performances defensively and it was probably depressing the fuck out of him but he, it was an important time for him and for us from a goalkeeping standpoint within the season and then putting us in the situation of, of next year. Because I still rate him. That's why I find it particularly disappointing. Yeah. And Kalasnac started like a train. Um, and then, you know, was he injured? Was he this? Was he that? I don't know what the fuck was going on with him. I think he had like one good game by the end of the, 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 the kind of final two thirds of the season, maybe a couple. Yeah. Um, so probably Kalasinac because at least at least Peter Cech gave us something uh, for significant portions of the season. If even if he leaves more questions than answers. Well, it, it's easy to look okay when Espina is the other option in goal. I think you're right. On another team with a more competent backup, uh, it's possible Cech would have lost his position. Tim, who who disappointed you the most in the season apart from uh, me on this podcast? <laughs> I've, I've got two short answers oh, for completely okay. different reasons. <laughs> um, Jack Wilshere, because he played a lot of games and stayed fit, and it's you know nearly June, and I don't really care whether he goes or stays, um, and that might not be his fault. That might just be his body has kind of given up. But if you'd have told me in August that Jack Wilshere was going to play, I, I don't know the exact number, close to 40 games, and I'd be a bit indifferent to him staying, then I'd have classed that as a disappointment. Um, my other disappointment, not because I think he played badly, but because I think maybe again he under-delivered on his talent as Mesut Ozil. I think Mesut Ozil had a 7 out of 10 season, and he's a 9 out of 10 player. Um, and he has a completely free role, so he doesn't get the, oh, Arsenal's a bit um, anarchic, it's a bit of tactical chaos. Mesut Ozil is the one player that doesn't get to use that excuse. He has a completely free role, and I thought he was completely 7 out of 10, even when we signed a striker like Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and we got that extra attacking support in Mkhitaryan. I still thought, for his level of ability, I thought he still under-delivered, um, and I found that 
quite disappointing. And, uh, and, and Tim, he was actually really good in the first, you might say, yeah. half of the season. I mean, uh, I was thinking this guy has really taken a step October up. October so. to December, up until that goal against Liverpool, where you think, ah, oh, here we go. He's like, he's put three two up at home to Liverpool, where he's you know made and finished the goal, and you think, here we go. This this is Özil now. And then he signs the contract, and then he just kind of melts away for the rest of the season. And, and he was and he yeah. was nursed, Tim, as well. He was nursed yeah. through periods, rested through periods, yep. given weeks off, brought back for key moments, and Didn't then underdelivered. The stage of the Europa Didn't League. Some of these yeah. players were nursed, and I look at the ones that weren't nursed, right? And that's yeah. where I that's where I made my decisions. But, Ramsey but was nursed. Maybe he was, was nursed. But you know what, guys? I yeah, mean, if you go back to Twitter and you look through people's timelines from maybe August, September, October, there were a lot of, we need to re-sign Alexis and Ozil can fuck off people out there. I mean, he he really yeah. started indifferently at the beginning of the season. And maybe because he sensed that there weren't going to be a lot of bidders out there to give him a huge contract, or maybe that's too cynical. Maybe he just switched on. But he really got the bit between his teeth as the season wore on. And he got the contract, and he, he didn't kick on. And I, I think... The way you have to evaluate a player is not according to every other player. It's the level of performance that player is capable of, right? So if you're LeBron James and you're playing basketball, you have to be evaluated at the level of one of the best in the game. If you're Mesut Ozil, you have to be evaluated as one of the best number 10s in the game. And I, I think it's certainly fair to say that by those standards, and you said this more eloquently than I currently am, Tim, he did not live up to the kind of performances he is capable yeah. of and indeed that we compensated him for. Yeah, which is not to say he's bad or played bad. No, of course he, not. He didn't, but he um, and I think he's done this fairly consistently at Arsenal. I think I still think um, there is another ten percent in Meza Özil um, that we haven't seen on a regular basis um, for okay. his contract. Can I just say something? Yeah, please. I think Why not? It's really interesting, and, and Tim, uh, the way you described that was fantastic, right? And two players that hadn't crossed my mind, and. Um, but what it does show you is how we walk into a room and we judge players and, and what structures and how we interpret player performance, right? And there are going to be people listening to this and they're going to, have, they're going to be raging, they're going to be agreeing, and that's the beauty of it all. The structures by which you interpret a player is normally based on your experience and exposure to football and what your personal standards are. And, and Tim, everybody was given a great explanation. And actually, now I'm thinking about it on Ozil, that is a great shout. And if we're serious about going somewhere as a club and we've invested in this guy and made him a key player, he really has not showed up at all. Uh, certainly not at that level, yeah. And and look, I, I would say still that the right answer to this question is Mustafi, um, especially considering yeah. no matter how much we want to be critical of Ozil, goal scoring wasn't what cost us our season. It was goal allowing, um, especially away. And Ozil was protected in a lot of away games, didn't even play a lot of the away games up north. Um, I think... You could make an argument if I was going to nominate someone that just hadn't been nominated. I might say Danny Welbeck, reaching a critical period in his Arsenal career, a stay-or-go kind of moment in terms of whether he's going to be offered a contract or be sold. Um, He did get a lot of chances to play. He went through a really, really poor period where he became a meme, essentially, for not being able to kick a ball or stand up. Now, I know he had a couple really good performances late in the season, I believe in the Europa League is when they came, where he, he did some incredible stuff. But overall, I thought it was a pretty indifferent season for him 
there's always been this, if he could add finishing, he'd be a star player. And he just doesn't seem like he's ever going to quite put it all together. And that may mean that he's off this summer. So he's someone who maybe could be on that list. Let's stick with the player questions uh, just real quick. Tim, I'm really curious to get your answer on this one, actually. Uh, because I, I just have no idea which way you're going to go with it. So I, I think it'd be fascinating. <laughs> who would you say was your most improved player? <laughs> um, well, do you know what? Because I've got an article coming out on him in two weeks, I will park Granite Xhaka. Oh, okay, um, cool. I like this. <laughs> this way you get it, two bites of the apple. <laughs> and ruin my pick. Thanks. <laughs> and uh, so someone else can say Granite Xhaka if they want, because I think that's the correct answer. So I'll go, I'll go with someone else. And I'll say Callum Chambers. Um I think in the last two to three months of the season, so the first half of the season, I was kind of looking at Chambers. He was getting plenty of Europa League games, and I was thinking, yeah, this still looks like a Middlesbrough centre-back to me. Um, but I really, really think towards the end of the season, when we kind of, the emphasis swapped and it became about Premier League games, and the Europa League was when Koscielny played, um, and maybe those games are very different, and actually Chambers got regular Premier League football, um, I, I thought uh, I thought Callum Chambers improved massively, um, and even when you know we went to Old Trafford and he played alongside Mavropanos and he was the senior partner, I thought he played that role really really well as well. I think he looked like you know when a, a player looks a couple of inches taller because they kind of think right, uh, I've got to be the boss today. Um, and you know Per Mertesacker stopped playing after January. I'm not sure he, you know, other than that that kind of valedictory sub-appearance against Burnley. I don't think he played again after January. So Chambers played and he didn't necessarily, he either played instead of Koscielny. Um, so quite often he was, he was you know, quite a senior player um, in that back four. And I, I thought he took to it really, really well. And I, because I, I, I mentally I'd kind of started to let him go a little bit, you know, but I think the last couple of months of the season, he really, really kicked on. Uh, and I I started to think to myself, he should be playing instead of Mustafi. He should be in on merit um, at the moment. And, and I'd be really interested to see and hope to see that continue next season. Yeah, I, I think that's a, a perfectly good chat. Now, and the, the interesting thing there, Tim, is I think it's fair to say he might be the most improved. The question is, is he improved enough to be someone we mm. can depend on? And I... I think that's an open question. I don't know that that is yet the case. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Paul, you have it, you want you want to pick more Grand time, Jack? right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paul? So th- there's not a lot of pickings because you actually have to find somebody who's improved in the team. Um, so I'm going to go with uh, if we if we put her back ourselves back at the start of the summer, you had Ainsley Maitland Niles and you had Reese Nelson and all the excitement was about Reese Nelson. And yeah, there was some, there was a reasonable amount of interest in Maitland Niles, but we'd seen him kind of the season before and people weren't that excited about him. Some were most, most were thought he had potential. Um, he'd come off a good summer youth tournament where they won the world cup, I think. Um, but you compare the two trajectories of the guys and it shows you, you know, you just can't tell. And he proved, Ainsley Maitland now has proved everything in terms of ability. He has a whole chunk to prove in terms of has he got the right mentality, focus, can he do it consistently, uh, you know, as a footballer, is he a serious footballer week in, week out? So that's all ahead of him. But yeah. he showed throughout the season 
that he's not just a prospect. No, I, th- uh, I think that's a great call. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting, Paul? You said something, though, that really struck a chord with me, um, which is very, very rare. You said. Yeah, very. <laughs> that. T- tell me. Hang on. I got a pen. Yep. Okay. Tell me. Th- th- there, no one really was improved. And, and I, you, you said it, and it's so profound in a way because the way teams go from being good to being contenders for a league or, you know, going up a tier in the league is the players they have produce 10%, 15%, 20% better performances than they had the season before. And you need organic improvement, not just transfer improvement, but organic improvement within your team to get better. And across the board, we didn't get it. We didn't get a, a leap year from Ozil. We didn't get a leap forward from Shaka. We didn't get a leap forward from from enough players or really any players to to carry us. And and I think that that is a really important point. Um the only and, good news is the upside this team has is massive with sure, the manager who, who starts it, to just get them back to not so much the greater than the sum of their parts, but equal to the sum of their parts is a massive jump up. Y- yes, I agree. And But the one other thing that I think your point highlights is why age profiles are important to look at because the likelihood that 23 year old teams are going to step forward massively from season to season is very high 23 year olds improve improve improve. i mean they don't all do that but there's a chance when you have a team full of 27 28 29 year olds you're pretty confident in the level they're going to give you um so i think that's something to keep an eye out for clive who is the most improved player for you uh, I would have said Maitland Nuss, so mm-hmm. um, uh, and I think that I would have said him, but obviously I, I'm trying to say something slightly different. I think um, the legacy of these young players will be felt in the next couple of years. Is about three or four that I think we're going to really see. I could easily go five or six in the next two to three years. I think they're going to be names we're all going to recognise. So um, we we'll wait and see what happens there. Maitland Nuss is the top of that list for me, um, but a player that I think maybe really suffered from. Much like Chambers suffered from in different reviews, but when he signed a new contract this year, a lot of people were happy and said it was deserved. So just to give a different name, I would say El Nenny has improved a lot this year. I think he has won a lot of people over. People know what he is. They're far more accepting of him. They know he's a game, hard-working, all-rounder that's really tried to improve some of the positive sides of his game, speed up his pass, become more progressive, be less safe. He looks like he's very popular in, within the dressing room. He got his new squad number. He got his new contract. And there was no uproar when it happened. Right, So I think that's a positive sign. I think if... I don't think people have been so happy if he got a new contract at the start of the season. So I think he's really proved people wrong. Hmm. Did all the ugly away trips in Europe. Performed to his maximum level every single time. He was dropped for like three, four weeks and came in and straight away 7 out of 10 performance. Which always tells me that he trains really hard off the pitch. So um, for me, he got injured at an unfortunate time. I think we could have done with him in the last few weeks. And I hope he's going to have a good World Cup. I think for me... Outside of Maitland Niles, I'd go El Nini. Interesting. And, and could I? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just a quick tag on. He added to, I think it's a good pick, he added dimension, at least one dimension to his game in terms of being able to drop in between the centre-backs, which we saw him centre-backing at the start of the season. And, and Wenger said, nah, he won't be doing that in the in the season proper. But it actually came in handy as he 
dropped in between the centre backs. And when you look at how Emery sometimes plays with his guys, that can be quite handy. So he'll often have a, 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 cent- a central midfielder who'll fall back between the two centre backs and play the ball out from there, etc. So yeah, the, the moment for me where he really kind of became a guy I had to look at differently. I think it was in the the CSK game in Moscow where we were kind of on the ropes a little, and Jack had been playing more forward, and he he had kind of dropped in with the the back three or to make a back three and then they we pulled Jack off and he he Ooh. moved up you know what I mean we we took Jack I off do. the pitch and we jacked off no, why can't I stop saying masturbation uh <laughs> we, we we moved him up the pitch and he had I think arguably the assist of the season you remember that um he had a a, a nifty little uh collection in midfield drove forward and I can't remember who we sent in behind the back four well back. yeah well back ironically uh yeah and and that really made me look at him a little, a little bit differently in that moment because he, he really flashed some creative ability as well. Uh, you know, the interesting thing is I don't see it with Shaka, Tim, only because I think he improved tremendously over the course of the season to a level that, ironically, I think he was at at the end of last season yeah, yeah. as well. Um, he, which is, he started from a low bar. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, my, my most improved of the season, and I think it's fairly obvious, I think it has to be Aaron Ramsey, only in the sense that we know he has it in him, but he was not playing at that level. And his output this season is much more consistent with the kind of guy we think he can be and one of the reasons we need to keep him. I think if he had put in a season this season like the one before, I don't know that anybody would be worried about losing him. So you know, for me, the improvement isn't... He improved to a level we thought he had, but he got there. So I think that's important. Okay, so let's get to... Can game. I just say something on uh, Fine, yes. <laughs> well, he was one of those that was nursed and that was allowed to play every seven to ten days, right, for big games. So he was able to have maximum outputs. And sometimes you've got to look at the ones that we could not afford to to rest to keep the other parts of the season going, right? So I think players like Ramsey and Ozil, yes, we know they're important. And yes, no doubt they can reach a really high-quality level. But we really looked after them. And if we're looking for future pillars in our team, I'm afraid we need players who can play three times in eight days. So we well, have to Ozil, sh- Ozil should be able to, Clive. I think with Ramsey, at least the defense is, if you're going to plump down a lot of money on Ramsey, you just know you've got a guy who's injury prone and has to be managed. So that, that's a question for a higher pay grade than, than me, certainly. But I think I, I think you can be more critical of, of nursing Ozil than nursing an injury prone Ramsey, if that makes sense. I, I also think... Um, Jacker is a big part of the reason that Ramsey played so well. It's, it's not a coincidence to me that Ramsey's best seasons have come alongside Arteta when he played pretty much every game. And this season, did Ramsey play with another central midfielder other than Jacker? I think Jacker started have every single league game, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So yep. Jacker must have started nearly every great game Ramsey started. I don't think it's a coincidence that with like a deep lying playmaker, Ramsey pulls out his probably second best season in an Arsenal shirt. Let's whip through these a little bit more, Clive. Your highest moment, best game, and lowest moment, worst game of the season. Uh, highest moment. Highest moment was Meza Ozil third goal versus Liverpool. Just that moment when he bounced over the keeper into the ground. Good shot. I mean, I, I just could not believe it. I, I, I mentioned before that I spoke to Tim at halftime. Rubbish the club, way to burn the ground down. Never thought we'd ever see anything happen again. <laughs> the team were broken. They weren't even talking to each other. It was an absolutely dis- a low moment. I could have walked out. 
did not see that six minute period coming in any which way or form and that's all crowned that off and that that's probably <laughs> for, from a live game perspective that was probably my favorite live game as well so highest game and and highest moment was the Liverpool game what about low low um there's so many lows right um low funny enough it's low was probably Atletico Madrid when we conceded the away goal I, I know that seems pretty obvious but it was beyond stupid and they weren't even trying to score and the price we paid for lack of concentration manifested itself in us going out so at the time I was trying to be positive but looking back historically that was the lowest moment I think that's a great shout too you know why Clive because I think one of the things that can make for a really low moment is when you are very high emotionally already and then you sink very far from where you were. So I think there was a lot of excitement about how we were playing, the dominance we had, the 11 versus 10 men. We had the 1-0. If we could get at, you know out of dodge with that, we felt we were going to go to the Europa League final. It's happening. We're going to lift a European Cup. And then that goal suddenly immediately shifted the feeling to we're going to crash out. We're not going to get the result in Madrid. And so just the contrast was as stark as can be. Uh, Paul, for you, uh, highest moment, best game, lowest moment, worst game. Uh, so highest moment, best game would be our Spurs uh, victory 2-0 at home. Tactically, uh, we took them to the cleaners. Yeah, uh, It was competent. Um, and, and consequently, um, although we just got gotten beaten by City, we weren't we weren't yet terrible. Uh, we we recently beaten Everton five two. We just beaten Swansea. We went on to beat Burnley away from home. <gasps> uh, we beat Huddersfield five zero next. So it was a really good run, um, kind of a short run, but a, a moment at which we thought, hey, we're tactical, we're flexible, we're competent. We just stuffed those bastards. So that was the that was the high point. The low, low point, mm-hmm. yeah, close to Lo- Clive's, which was not so much the away goal, but fucking Griezmann's celebration, that fucking thing. <laughs> oh, the, the, for, the Fortnite celebration? Yeah. Yeah. What if I don't know what it is? What if I, that's it's, a Fortnite? It's from a video game. I was like, uh, I'm concerned because sometimes you hear these tragic stories about how you know it's a celebration of his grandmother who was a ballerina or something and died tragically or something. I don't hey, know what the fuck hey, thing was. Yeah. Talk, talk to me after the pot offline. I don't want to waste airtime on it, but talk to me after the pot about a new section called Old Man Yells at Cloud. I want to, I want to, I want to try, <laughs> yeah, that, right. try that. Okay. Um, anyway, what a wanker. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Tim, yours? Um, okay, so best game, highest moment would be the last home game of the season, the Burnley game. Um, won't go into to, to it too much because we did an entire podcast on it. But, you should um, listen to it. It's I excellent. Just, I, yeah, I, I just love the entire podcast that, on every game. <laughs> well, but th- this time we did, you know, we did like a whole uh, podcast yeah. on like the atmosphere and the feel of that day, and it was the. I think I still think the best home game I've been to um, at the Emirates, and I'm just uh, and Paul, you made this point brilliantly on that podcast. That e- even though we'd had the shit season, we hadn't got to the Europa League final. You know, Arsenal still got that absolutely um, unadulterated kind of love and respect. And I'm glad he got to see that even at like a really low moment. So that's my my best game, highest moment. And, you know, we played brilliantly and won 5-0. Worst game, lowest moment, without doubt, the Carabao Cup final against Manchester City because... I had low expectations and somehow Arsenal still managed to really disappoint me. 
I was thinking like, uh, you know, like a regulation 3-1 defeat would, you know, I, that's kind of what, a bit like the game at the Etihad in November. That's kind of what I was expecting. Like, you know, we'll put a fight up, but we'll probably lose because they're much better than us. And uh, we didn't really put a fight up. And actually, I didn't think Man City were that good at all. And, uh, you know, watching thousands and thousands of people leave a cup final. I know it's only the Carabao Cup final, but leaving a cup final at Wembley with 25 minutes to go. And usually that idea would fill me with rage. And I was looking at them and thinking, you're the smart people. I'm the stupid one that's going to stay till the final whistle. And um, yeah, like having really low expectations and somehow still being disappointed and coming out thinking, man, Arsene, like cup finals were all you had left. Like all you had left for the last few years was like pulling a rabbit out of the hat at Wembley. And now your players just don't look like they're listening to you even for a game like this. That that was a real that was a real low. Yeah, I mean, you guys have come up with great ones, and now, oh man, I'm jealous because I, I got to come up with with something else, and I'm I'm not really sure where to go with that. But I I think highest moment is is probably I mean the the Burnley game was really interesting because emotionally it was very high, but it had nothing to do with the football for me, so I don't know if that qualifies. I think it has to be the Spurs game for me. I, I just yeah, I can't really escape that. I'm gonna give you a weird low moment. Um, Because I had two. One of them is arguably the very first Liverpool game. Because there is nothing worse than being slapped in the face in the beginning of the season with the idea that you might just not be very good. You know, because you're at that point in the season where hope springs eternal and you're like, maybe we're going to go on a big run. Maybe we're going to win the league. Who knows? you've, You've all this crazy romantic optimism in you. And then you come up against Liverpool and you just look totally out of their league. I mean, that was a disastrous, embarrassing performance. You guys remember how bad that was, right? I know it's a long time yeah. ago. Um, and immediately, before the season's even started, you're like, we're just not very good. And that's, that's a terrible thing to have to think in August, in September, you know? But another sneaky shout might be, remember the Bournemouth loss in January? Mm-hmm. So, the, I think we were touching distance to being a top four team at that point. We're still talking about we can make top four, and we're getting Aubameyang, we got Mkhitaryan, and you know we're looking like maybe the team's going to come together and be of use, and then we go and we lose away at Bournemouth, um, and then subsequently draw Chelsea, draw West Brom, and you know top four at that point kind of looked gone. So I just remember hope was kind of coming back to us in that moment with Aubameyang coming in and Mkhitaryan's there. And, you know, we had just, I think, trounced someone 4-1. Um, maybe it was Palace or something. And and then we had that, that dump. We took that dump at Bournemouth, and that was really the end of it. So those are some of my choices. Real quick, I, I was going to do best goal, but is anybody going to pick anything other than that Ramsey sort of flicked volley? You know the one I'm talking about? I was yep. going to say maybe Ozil against Newcastle, but I yep, don't have a my lot pick. more yep. to say about that. I mean, it was, was Zidane esque, wasn't it? Yeah. In terms of quality, yeah. The the but the Ramsey one is is sensational, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, yeah. Uh, Clive, you you have one other than those? Yeah, I just I like the Everton away goals. I think Lacazette scored a nice goal against Everton on the break. I thought it was a nice team goal. I thought Lacazette's goal, I think, was the game. Early goal, shot for the air against Bournemouth or Swansea. I can't remember which one. It might have been Swansea. 
I'm in Bournemouth actually, <laughs> but I, I picked the games I see live, and um, he sort of put in the top corner in, in the home game there, and I thought it was nice. Um, the Ramsey one obviously stands out, right? You can't you can't deny as a as a gasp moment. Yeah, exactly. That was the most that was the gasp moment of the season. Really. It happened in like slow motion too. You can see it coming. It was crazy. Um, okay, we don't need to spend a lot of time on best goal. So <clears throat> let's do this real quick. Uh, I got a, a couple things. So first of all. Overall letter grade for the season, um, taking everything into account. Don't break it out by cups, just overall. So, Clive, who, who, what's your overall, you know, American style, plus minuses, if you want, letter grade for this season? Uh, it's, a, it's a C plus for me, yeah. just about. and Yeah, or, or even a C. I, I, I think um, where we've ended up is more exciting. The last sort of month has been more exciting. But I really felt this year we had a big squad. We could play two teams in two different competitions. We could rest players, yet we didn't win in a away game until the very last moment. And I think we, we, we've always bemoaned the injuries and the exhaustion and our inability to manage games in close succession. But that wasn't the case this year. And I really hope for a bit more consistency in the league and a bit more resilience and I just didn't see. It. I didn't see any lessons being learned. So, for me, it's a C. I say C plus because I'm a fan. But <laughs> if I listen to if I listen to what I just said, it sounds like a C minus, right? So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, pa- Paul, what about you? Yeah. Well, well Clive's certainly doing American style grading where they hand out feckin' grades for just showing up. Yeah, it's um, okay. he's grading on a curve. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm used Let to that. We did European that. Gr- yeah, I'll give you a European grade for for that season. That's a fucking F. I mean, if mm. if that isn't measured, I mean, that's. I don't want to be har- too harsh on anybody, but that was clearly Arsenal's worst season. Um, it's the first time the team really seemed to just kind of give up and never come back um, and I, I don't mean it individually they gave up or as a team they got together and willfully gave up it just you know the air went out of the balloon and kept going out and kept going out so I'm giving it a, yeah. I mean I love these I, guys no I get it I love you, don't, you don't have to justify that we finished sixth no, no. we lost to Forest in the FA Cup yeah. you, you know how our listeners can be Elliot well, I love everybody I do now I do individually now. and as a team I give them all A pluses, but on the season an F. Yeah, uh, Tim, where do you come out on that? Oh yeah, they definitely get an F. Um, they failed in every competition. There was at least one big disappointment in every competition. They were out of the reckoning for top four by before February, um, and you know we signed two brilliant players in January and uh, wasted them basically for well at least in the short term. Um, yeah, it was a failure by every measure. Cool. Uh, uh, I'll give it an. I'll give it like a D minus. Uh, we did beat Chelsea in a cup semifinal. We made it to a cup final. We made it to a European semifinal. Admittedly, beating you know teams that we should beat, but we did it. Uh, FA Cup is an F minus, and the league is a solid F. It's as bad as we realistically can do. So I think it all comes out to about a D minus F plus. I've always thought F plus is a funny grade. <laughs> <laughs> so let's give it an effort. I think I, yeah. I think in a strange way this has been not the groundhog season. It's been That's true. From a football perspective, it's been it's been very average. But actually it's been sparked with massive interest, once in a generation type moments, and we've got the future that we none of us can really predict, right? So I look at the whole thing 
that's why I gave it in the C range. But trying to remember Bournemouth away and <laughs> Swansea away well, to, and to Brighton be, away. To be fair and... to you, Clive, <laughs> we're, we're in four competitions, okay? And two of yeah. them, we made the final and the semifinal. And the other two, we completely shit the bed. So, I mean, depending yeah, yeah. on how you want to weight Europa and Carabao, I mean, those competitions, to your point, I mean, Carabao had us interested until February. Europa had us interested all the way into May. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think yeah. that's a fair point. Yeah, I, I, it's just interesting, just, right? Yeah, can I just Go make ahead. a point? Because I don't want to be the bad guy here. I'd like that to be Tim. I gave all the players individually and the manager A-pluses on this. All right, moving on. So, and then this is this is kind of where we'll. Did he did he really interrupt me to, to say that, <laughs> Clive? I mean, I've Clive, taken is some it, low blows. Is it the worst? Season, is it the worst Clive, interruption he's done? Like uh, I was really. I don't care. I, I, I tell you what, it's been the not groundhog season, and for that, I couldn't give it an F because it's the it's the gateway to the future, right? So, and I'm in a, I'm in a C range from a so basically positivity. it was so bad. It's forced change. Yes, exactly. F, F for forced change. Yeah, it gets an F for forced removal of the manager. Um, Okay, we're going to do one last thing, and then we're going to we're we're really going to get into transfers now with our last twenty minutes or so, so that we can get some some listens to this. Uh, And I'm not sure it warrants them at this point, but uh, so the player you're most excited for next season, and uh, Clive, I think. There are a lot of players in this team that have underperformed, and they that's on them, but there are probably some players in this team that have underperformed by virtue of the system or the coaching or just not being given a chance. Who's the player that you are most excited to see uh, with a new manager, new system? Uh, okay, I could, I could pick a few, right? but I'm going to pick one that I think is really obvious. And if we look at the end of season, I think he's really got some potential to be a leading player in the league. And, and that's Aubameyang. Right? I think he has got some amazing skill sets that's going to really unlock this team. But it, it is dependent on how we use him. Right? And I think that's the unknown. If you look at his movement in the box, it's, it's Gary Lineker-esque. He moves all the time. He sprints to the ball. He's always looking for... He leaves space to run into. He leaves running lines so you can pass to him. He's very clever. He has double movements. And if you press him up high, he's going to kill you in behind. Right? He times his runs. And so I think he's got some potential. And also, I just like his demeanor on the pitch. I think he looks like he wants to be there. I know he's probably, it helps me, he looks at his cash point balance, right? But it probably looks <laughs> pretty good. I don't think we're, we're paying him you know, a couple of tracksuits to be there. So, um, so, yeah, I think there's that to look for. But I just enjoy his demeanor. And I think he's a player that could um, really transmit himself to the crowd and, and lift the crowd in the stadium. So I'm looking forward to seeing It's him. a great call because he is he is one of the great players in Europe. He's a player I was desperate to see at Arsenal for a long time. I actually wish we had done it in the summer and not waited till January. But to your point, he played mostly meaningless games since he arrived. He played only in the league and the top four race was really pretty much over when he got in there. So to see him when it still matters is going to be really exciting. Uh, Paul, how about you? Uh, yeah, so... Uh, I got two in mind. They got to to be excited about them next year. Uh, Aubameyang would have been a great pick, but I'm going to go with one of two younger players. I'll only mention one: um, Bellerin. Uh, he's Spanish, so is Unai Emery. Uh, he's been itching maybe to make a move because I think he wants to learn. 
under some really good coaching. And Emery really uses his fullbacks to press on, to press, to bring width, etc. So I think that's going. He's going to learn to defend. Uh, he's going to be drilled. He's going to be trained. So I think we'll get the most out of him. He should be on the same wavelength. It should working under Emery should have been the reason he was looking to get a move if he was in previous summers. So. Um, I think we'll have a great opportunity to see his upside over the next year or so. That would be great because um, it's massive. He, he, yeah, uh, and he's instrumental in tying together defense, midfield, and attack, and getting that balance right. We've it's been a long time since we, our our fullbacks, which are really the the balancing act. You know, how do you get overexposed in midfield? It's not just the DM, right? It's the it, having two Spanish fullbacks. If if Monreal starting on one side. And uh, uh, Bellerin on the other, and we get in. Um, well, just just taking that aspect of it, being on the same wang- wavelength as Emery might really accelerate our transition to being a coherent uh, team in transitions. Yeah, I think that's a great call, Tim. Who, who's uh, who's most exciting for you to see with with new a new voice uh, in his head on the training pitch? Uh, for me, Xhaka, um I, you know there are other so, players in the team. You, you can pick literally <laughs> any of the players in this team. Well, I've actually avoided talking about him since uh, since the first question. But the, the things I really like about Jacka, I think he's really worked hard on correcting some of his biggest flaws. So, um, and and what's really interesting is it's taking. I think it's taken like um, outside of the Arsenal fan base, people haven't quite realised yet. People would still say, "Oh, he, he gets sent off all the time," and he hasn't been sent off in nearly two years. <laughs> and um, but you know that thing he used to do, where he just used to swipe people's legs. He stopped doing that ages ago. But it, it takes a long time for a reputation to shift. And I think he stopped putting himself in positions where his um, lack of speed over the ground gets exposed. I think he's wised up to that, and his positioning's much better. He's much better at jockeying players and at just thinking. Do you know what? I'm not going to charge up the pitch because I can't get back, so I'm just going to sit here. And uh, that, to me, that uh, what I really like and I'm enthused about by Xhaka is I think he's very intelligent, and I think um, he's he's got um, he's got brains and balls, basically, yeah. which is something I really thought even when he was playing miserably when he was younger. I really saw in Aaron Ramsey. I was like, no, 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 this guy he wants to learn. And he's not affected by by what people say, and um, I, I think Jacker's like that. I really think Jacker is like a, a future leader of this team, and he's he's in a very interesting age bracket that not many of our squad are in, where most of our squad either seem to be like twenty nine to thirty three, or eighteen to twenty two. It's very there's, weird. There's not a lot <laughs> in that like mid twenties range, and. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think Jack is a really interesting player for Arsenal. And I, would you, I would you make him? Would you make him captain, Tim? I, I wouldn't object if that happened. I, I could see yeah, him taking that kind neither. of role. I, it's I a think bit too soon, though, isn't it, Tim? Just like maybe. a year or so. Wouldn't it be yeah, refreshing, maybe. you guys, though, to have a captain who played thirty-eight league games instead yeah, of zero? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. and, and that's that's in, that's important, you know, because look at Arsenal's yeah. midfield over the last six to seven years. It's been time and time again it gets decimated by injury and Xhaka is um, or has been to this point very reliable Um, and yeah I I just really see him as someone who 
who looks to me like he wants to step up into that leadership role. And uh, I'm, I'm really interested to see him next season. And I still think he gets quite a rough deal off of, um, should we say, the wider public. And part of that's natural. It's going to take time for like those um, those reputations to shift. But I really like him. I, I think he's I think he's got a good head on him. You've also what just totally about him is that everybody talks have utterly ri- <laughs> written him off, like utterly. Yeah. Yeah, his, I think, uh, his reputation out there is that he's totally shit. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, well, people don't they, they don't understand the player, right? That's the thing. The way he walked in the door, people wanted him to be something that he's not. So he spent a couple of years either, we don't know how to work him out, and the manager doesn't know how to work him out, but to me it's quite obvious what he is. He's a, he's a deep-line playmaker, and he'd be better with, with two people near him. And if we get that sort of V in midfield... And him at the base, his role is self-explanatory. And that's what he is. But don't expect him to be heading things under his own crossbar, right? Because that's not what he is. So we need to make sure he's surrounded appropriately. And when he when he is, he'll direct. He'll drive the car. He'll direct the team. And um, that's what's happened in the last three months. And people are starting to change their opinion on him. Yeah, that that's totally fair. I, I think, um, you know, he is... He is a player who will benefit also from potentially us getting in another midfielder or maybe changing our shape a little bit. I'm going to pick a player just really quickly that I don't think anybody would expect me to to pick, so I think this will be interesting for people. I'm going to say Alex Awobi. Um, Emre has a, a reputation for being good with young talent. I think Awobi is immensely talented. He has suffered from being played on the right where he didn't thrive as an inside forward that I don't think he was ready for. Two M's um, talented. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he is. He is someone who has underperformed badly from what I think he can do, but has not necessarily been put in position to do well. And I thought towards the end of the season, when he got to play a little deeper, more like a midfielder, he actually thrived. He did really well. He had some really good performances. And so I'll be curious to see how Emre puts him into the side when he plays him. You know how he manages his time so he's not just playing too much or more than he's ready for and gives him the opportunity to thrive because there is a very talented player in there and this really is a crucial period for him in terms of determining whether he's going to make it and really become someone important for Arsenal or not live up to his capabilities. So we will see. Um, let's talk departures. And I think that there are going to be some interesting choices made about who stays and who goes. So Tim, for you... Who are the players you expect, if any, to leave this summer? Now, let's just stop for a second. We don't have to mention Jenkinson. We don't have to mention Lucas Perez if you think he's going. You don't have to mention Joel, Joel Campbell. I'm talking about players that were part of the squad this season that you expect to leave this summer. Um, I think Jack Wilshere. I think he would have signed a contract if he was going to by now. And um, he's doing that like teenage girl thing on social media where he's just like, you know, Dropping, he he really wants like you okay, hun? Um, <laughs> responses to what he's posting, and he's taken Arsenal out of his social media profile, um, you know, bios and Header, stuff like yeah. that. Like it's yeah, yeah. So I, I expect him to go. Um, I'm really interested to see what happens with Danny Welbeck because that's one that's not been spoken about, and he's going off to the World Cup, and that will really, really just come down, I think, to does Unai Emery like or rate him. And like, does that relationship work? And I really don't know what the answer to that is. I think if we still had Arsene Wenger, um, we'd probably offer Welbeck a contract, but not push too hard on it. 
I've got no idea what Emery is going to do with that. So I think Wilshere definitely, I think there's a question mark over Welbeck and I'll be fascinated to see the answer to it. So just those two? Yeah, uh, maybe maybe in a couple of others, but I'll, I'll let my esteemed colleague talk about um, you know the tragedy of losing David Espina. Um, yeah, fair example. enough, Clive. Let's jump over to you for a second. Who do you, who do you think's going this summer? You know, I I don't know. I don't know what I would do. <laughs> that's be, that's content for you. Be, <laughs> would, well, I, I don't know. No, it's none really of us know, know, Clive. None of us. Yeah, because I would do I would do a lot different and what i would you know what i would well, do I who would do you hope flip. goes this summer <laughs> i don't hope that anyone goes really but i i could see i think there could be a problem with somebody that we really like i'm gonna give you two names and not because i want them to go it's just that i it depends on what the major decides to do from a playing style perspective and where he wants his players to go versus marketable value and there's two players that I think are really good, really good players. And I, I really mean that when I say it. And I really like them. I don't always like how they play, but I like them in Lacazette and Ramsey. But I think they're, they're just as good as they are. They can be a problem. But that, de- that is dependent on how the manager plays. And I just don't know how he's going to play. Right. So, And I'm saying those two names based on the fact that I'm taking a, a punt that we need to raise some money to really build a squad. And I'm not agree. I'm not thinking we got 50 million quid and I know about amortization or the rest of it, but I think somebody could potentially go that we don't want to go. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm putting, a, I'm putting, um, I'm putting a guess on, on one of those two. Okay. Um, the rest of the dead word come we can name them all no right? of course yeah Ospina's uh, so gone not, and, and Joel Campbell's gone not in, yeah Jenkins we don't yeah let's not insult the listeners intelligence I'm, I'll just give a couple of names there to get people to think but right now we've not seen a friendly so I don't know how we're going to set up I don't know his formations I don't know his criteria for players in certain areas so I'm really speculating there. yeah uh, Paul do you have any any concrete evidence yes. from your inside contacts telling us who's going to go this summer Oh, no. Okay, um, who do you think's going? <laughs> look, this, my answer is really about not getting outmaneuvered by Clive, who hopes none of them are going. God, he really knows how to play this crowd, doesn't he? Um, you so know, I happen to love my, our listeners, and I don't think yeah. we're trying to manipulate them at all. You're the one who has no, a lot no. of rehabilitating to do here, because you said F the listeners on <laughs> the last podcast like 17 times. So. Wasn't, wasn't that Clive? No. Anyway, <laughs> I'm pretty so sure think, it wasn't. Yeah. I think they should all get new contracts. That's what I think. Okay. A- anyone you think um, won't, though? <laughs> so I think Welbeck has a really good chance of not going, because... Uh, Emery likes a front line you can press and Danny does a lot of work rate um, and he's not worth that much to sell um, So and he goes both ways so I think he'd be very attracted to him um, in terms of players who will go I don't think Mustafi will go um, I think he will get a chance to be rehabilitated with the new line I think Chambers might though because we've got Chambers and Holding and I think Chambers would be the one if you needed to generate some dollars. And we got uh, the young chap coming in and maybe Socrates too as well. So um, I think I think that's, that's, a, good sh- that's a good shout, Paul. Yeah. Chambers, that's a good shout. Yeah, um, it's not that I don't like him. I just, you know, the manager's got to make a, or the coach has got to make a decision 
Any coach who listens to this podcast is going to have heard Tim say he was one of the most improved this season. So I, yeah, I, you know. but you know, and the boy, ne- the boy needs to play because he he went to Middlesbrough for a year. He's come into a bit part year, ended the year quite strong. That is prime time twenty five million to somewhere like Crystal Palace. That right? is a fair that point. Prime time, <laughs> but and but, that's how it goes, right? And you got to say to yourself, is he going to take us to the promised land? Really good player, and he's got lots of growth time in him. But somebody's got to go. Do you sure, know what I mean? Okay. That's sort of similar sort of criteria. Let me just throw a little process. cold we water. We can't sell Mustafi, not without bringing in two well, senior centre-backs. And, and even that's only three senior centre-backs. There, there is a lot of smoke now, or at least discussion, of Mustafi possibly leaving this summer. And I think even if we get Socrates and one more experienced centre-back, you're looking at Socrates... Uh, other new guy, so two guys that have never played in the Premier League that have never played together, Chambers and Holding. If you sell Mustafi and Mavropanos, who you know, I don't, I don't think we can definitively say he's ready. So that's a really dicey position to be in. Now, if you're going to keep Mustafi and get rid of Chambers again, you're still putting all your faith in guys you've never seen play in the Premier League and have never played for Arsenal before. I, I just think we put ourselves in a very precarious position. We're already in a precarious position with our center backs. And so if Mustafi goes, it'll be interesting. I mean, no one's saying Ramsey. Are we all of the opinion that Ramsey is going to resign? Mm. I'm not sure. Didn't I I say Ramsey? I thought I did. Uh, Sorry. Yes. Sorry. You did say Ramsey. Yes. But (laughs) yeah, again, it all depends on what he said. Some of the things that he's very excited to come back and everyone, the players must be excited to come back to a completely different environment, new coaches. But in the end, he needs to sign the contract that's on the table. And, I think, you know, I would offer him, I think he's a £160 grand a week type player. If you want to go north of 200 I don't see it. Doesn't it also depend it what we can get for him, though? Record. Right, I'm I mean, sorry? doesn't it also depend what we can get? I mean, if someone says we'll pay you $25 million for him, you can't even really entertain that. Yeah, so, uh, okay, so you guys scour the net like me. <laughs> what, sort, what sort of gossip have you seen about Aaron Ramsey going? N- nothing. What sort of clubs <laughs> are interested so are we talking, are we back into nightclub quarter two players again? Are we talking about that? I mean, sometimes we, we build these players up, right? But the market tells you what they are. So let's see how that market develops for him. And if if there is one for him, right, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I don't think the words hit the street yet because we're not hearing nothing. So as far as I think personally, I think potentially he will stay. And, um, and that's why there's been no gossip. So we'll see. Well, and there's no World and, and Cup for him. We'll... So it, it's certainly something that can get sorted out you know, yeah. er, earlier rather than later. Uh, Paul, let's let's uh, put a final point on this. Yeah, I think we'll want to keep him, but at, as Clive says, at a certain price and beyond that, we'll, we'll be willing to let him go because the manager must be looking at the midfield and saying, well, I'd actually like to make some changes. You know, he might like Ramsey, he might like Chaka, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes, it doesn't mean he likes being stuck with Ramsey and Chaka on a lot of money permanently without the ability to bring in somebody else. So I don't think they'll give away the farm to keep Ramsey, but he's obviously a, he's a great player in your team. You just want, you may want another option and you may want some money and some flexibility as opposed to making Ramsey the franchise player up there with Ozil on that kind of money. Yeah, I think Clive has really sort of opened my eyes a little bit to the way I look at Ramsey because I sort of just presume him to be this incredible, supremely talented, unique, elite central midfielder. But I think, you know, Clive, you certainly pointed me in the direction of, of another way of viewing it and certainly another way of viewing it in terms of his 
his role at Arsenal. Um, uh, Tim, Tim actually, Tim actually done me. Actually, he wrote an article last week, and he put a great line in there, and he said, "Like, if we were to sell Aaron Ramsey, would we buy the same type of player?" And I don't think we would. I think we'd we'd buy a player that could run with the ball, connect the ball, closer to. Santi Cazorla in style, if you see what I mean, uh, with a bit, maybe a bit more defensive now, but somebody who would carry and connect to the top end. And, and that maybe tells you the problem that we have. And I think uh, Tim called it beautiful. Yeah, well, part of the problem with Ramsey, too, is if you said to me, Clive, com- give me a comparison player to Ramsey. Who's another midfielder <clears throat> in world football right now that you think compares favorably to Ramsey? I struggle to think of a central midfielder with his traits. Um, you know, he is such an end product player uh, and a team that now actually has quite a bit of end product. As far as Danny Welbeck goes, you know what I think is going to be interesting? If Emre knows Lucas Perez from his La Liga days and rates him and likes his playing style, that could be the end for Welbeck. But if Perez is off, then I certainly think Welbeck, as Paul pointed out, could have a role in the pressing system. So that'll be it. So then let's finish with this. Uh, Licksteiner and Socrates, I just want to get each of your thoughts on it. So, so Tim, I'll start with you. Uh, mm. What are your thoughts on the apparent uh, transfer ban we have that prohibits us from uh, buying players that are either in their 20s or not at Dortmund? <laughs> I mean, I think, basically, it looks to me like the strategy is, by hook or by crook, get back into the Champions League ASAP and rebuild from there. Because basically we've kind of got an age profile where the squad needs rebuilding, but that's very difficult to do when you're about to go into your second season in the Europa League. So it looks to me like what they've done is they've gone, right, we've got quite a lot of good attackers who are like 29. So we're going to get another two to three like top level seasons out of them. Um, let's like let's try and go with that a little bit. We need a bit more experience at the back without Mertesacker, without Koscielny. Um, and basically, by any means possible, whether it's through the Europa League or getting back into the top four, let's just buy experience for now that we can get done quickly before the World Cup. We don't really have to compete for, um, you know, the, the fairly simple signings to do. Let's get back in there and hopefully in two years, then let's start the rebuild um, from a position of greater strength. And I think when you look at the reports of Emery's contract, it's a two-year with an option for a third. And and that seems to line up almost exactly with the recruitment strategy, which is really geared on the next two years. And, you know, so I, I think Emery's probably got a, like a, you know, get back into the Champions League ASAP, but you won't be sacked necessarily if you don't get there next summer. I think it's maybe a one-strike basis and that seems to be what the recruitment is geared around. It's geared around the next 12 to 24 months. And then in 24 months, one way or another, we will hit the reset button. And hopefully we will do that from a position of greater strength than I, what we're I, in now. I think that makes a lot of sense, actually. And that, that makes more sense than really any other defense of it I've heard. And ironically, I actually think Lichsteiner is a, a more sensible signing than maybe Socrates. And I'll maybe just expand on that really quickly at the end but uh clive i mean do you do you think these signings make sense uh do are you confused by them at all or you do you think they're the right move how how have you reacted to this news i'm not i'm not confused i to to add on top of tim's point i absolutely agree that 
it's all about positioning for the club. It's really key. We don't turn into what Liverpool were a few years ago, five, six, seven years out of the Champions League, wherever it was, or brief hiatus and out again. We really, really need to get back into the top four. So I sort of predict a top and tail type, um, high, high, I call it hiring strategy, but obviously transfer strategy. The top end to get some stability and experience. Uh, and so those players that we're buying make sense, given the amount of experience we have lost. But I also see a more of a youth at the bottom end. And I think we're going to be nurturing players you know, some gems, you know, in the sort of 19 age, the 22-year-old centre-back type range, 21-year-old centre-back type range. And I think we're going to use these experienced players to get us positioned, give those younger players a, a year or so to develop into the 22, 23-year-olds that are shining gems. And then, as Tim alluded to, hit the reset button, now we're back in the Champions League, and say, okay, now we can buy the ready-made 26-year-olds. Suddenly then you're bringing your age profile down, you're looking at 26-year-olds to now go with the young gems that are proving themselves. Then you build a squad value up very quickly because you're you know you're in that sort of age range that looks like you've got a very very deep squad with with um, you know lots of young players and if you add to the young players that we have in the club who are homegrown I think that's when we're going to really see what we're doing it's going to be in the next two to three years rather than this year so this year is about stabilizing repositioning make us competitive top four stay in the top four for next season then bang reset we go from there yeah, I agree. I mean, um, you know, it's it's interesting because Paul, like for me, I I look at the squad as it is composed now, and whether I agree with how it how it is composed now, we have to make the most of the squad we have. And since the squad we have, and I've touched on this in previous podcasts, we all have, is more win now oriented than maybe you'd expect given our circumstances. We kind of have to try to see that out to its most logical conclusion, right? And so is that. Is that really what, what's going on here? Fill immediate needs in the squad with experienced players who can step into an already experienced team and and get us back into that top four? Paul. Oh, Paul. Yep, um, I think so. I think I, I don't. It's so messy, right? We need we need different kinds of players all over the pitch to be brought in we need different age profiles matching against it's it's a complicated mess and i'm glad we have sven and raul i think your analysis of it is pretty good i'm happy to live with that um i think the two boys will be super pumped that we are now in a structure where we make decisions quickly we move forward we get our targets i mean we basically kind of pretty much got every we've gone everybody we've gone after uh, pulled off complicated deals like Alexis. Uh, I mean, none of us, none of us thought we were going to get Alexis for basically Obama, Yang, and Mikatarian at the start. Uh, if we'd heard that, uh, and we kind of did, we would have poo-pooed it, as they say in England, um, on on January first, and by January thirty-first, it was done. So they're going to have a great time because this is a horrible second tangle ball mess of ages profiles types of players uh you know a new a new coach needing different styles so 
you know, the, the piece that I don't have any particular view as to what we're going to do. I'm going to enjoy sitting back and letting, the, let, letting see if Sven and Raul can yank the levers without being held back, without a slow decision maker who likes to kick the tires time and time again, go in, make choice. You know, Emery, the, the terrible thing about Arson was he thought he, he, he would always have five years to move the club on, which is great and it's terrible. And towards the end, it was not so good. Unai Emery knows he has 12 months, 24 months. He probably thinks he has 12 months because of how fans at other clubs are. I think unless he's terrible, he's going to get 24 months from our fans, even if it gets occasionally a little less comfortable. So he's going to have two years, but that's all. So he's he's going to want to make quick decisions, and I think it all lines up. He's going to want to get the help of Sven and Raul. He's going to take their opportunities and he's going to want to move quick and he's going to want unlike other years where there was a reluctance to bring players in at the in the summer and spend too much he's going to be like i don't care what they fucking cost here's what i need this summer to make this team work to put my identity on it to change things up so i don't really care i want to sit back and see them work through the problem yeah i I mean that is a long way to go to get to i don't care but (laughs) i think you said a lot of good stuff uh in between look i thanks i think the the reason i think licksteiner is a good addition is it's a free way on a one-year deal to get a backup to bellerin we desperately need it so that he can get some rotational options so he can play in the group stages of the europa league and play in the carabao cup and bellerin can get a rest maybe playing some home games against promoted sides things like that the socrates thing worries me a little more only because he's going to be 30 in a minute um, he is coming off from people that observed the Bundesliga a poor season now, poor season at a chaotic Dortmund. I acknowledge that. But Socrates isn't being purchased to be a depth option, a backup rotation option. We need starting center backs immediately. Koscielny is probably not going to play next season. Mertesacker's gone. Mustafi may be gone, but at a minimum is shaky. And the rest of it is kids, essentially. I mean, I, I'm, I'm classing holding Chambers and Mavropanos' kids. So Socrates isn't being bought to play occasionally. He's being bought to anchor the center of our defense coming off a very poor season and at 30 years old. So that worries me. It worries me that it's an area of supreme need and we may be making a very um, economical, parsimonious choice with that need. Now, we may bring in yet another center back who is of a higher profile, Um to partner him, and then that that would change things. So that's the only reason the the Socrates thing worries me a little bit. I, I, there are a lot of people killing uh, Mislintat and killing the, the team and saying these guys should be finding the next young stars and the next you know young players with big upside. But I think as all of you guys have pointed out, this is a squad that is constructed to sort of be good right now or not at all, and so you might as well lean into that because you're already three-quarters of the way there. I mean, Obama Yang... But but also, Elliot, and I think we chatted about this on Twitter, um, these are the kinds of deals that you can do quickly at the start of the summer so you can then work out, you know, go and get your diamond eye... uh, Sure, super talented players. There's already a guy we're linked to... Yeah, Yeah. you're absolutely right. There's already a guy we're linked to from... Is it Sampdoria? a central midfielder who has been described sort of as a Santi Cazorla type and, and he's highly regarded and I think he's 22 and that that's very exciting. That's the kind of thing, you know, I'd love to see us do. So we'll see. Look, I think we covered a lot of ground here and it's a good good stopping point. Obviously, if any big transfers other than the ones we just discussed happen, we'll come back and talk about it. If anything happens of interest Arsenal-wise, we'll come back and talk about it. We might take a little bit of a hiatus though uh, during the World Cup just to recharge our respective batteries. Um, a lot of good 
things planned for next season and, and some ideas we're working on. We did cross over the million uh, listener or, or listen uh, uh, mark over the last couple episodes or so. And, and so I just want to take uh, another opportunity uh, to say. Unfortunately, he thought he panned us and thought we were terrible. But yeah, you, you the can't guarantee the, what that means. The million listener didn't love us. But the rest of you, all kidding aside, genuinely, genuinely appreciate the fact that you have stuck with us, have listened to us, have. Uh, gone through what was a tumultuous season with us and we can all band together and look forward to a very exciting new season. I think getting the chance to discuss a new manager, uh, players like Aubameyang and Mkhitaryan being integrated, new guys coming in, new new things to debate. It'll be really exciting and we, we hope to see you there. So uh, Tim's on Twitter at Stilberto. Thanks, Tim. My pleasure, as always. You can find him also on the web at iheartshaka.com. Uh, uh, Paul is on Twitter at in my pants. Thanks, Paz. Thank you. Yep, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and Clive is on Twitter at Clive PAFC. You can also find him at a pitch near you coaching uh, coaching the future stars of tomorrow. Thanks, Clive. Under 18s now. Thank you very much. Very, very good. My name is Alex Smith. You can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. You can find me, uh, well, I'm pretty much a vagrant. You probably find me under a bridge roaming around your town somewhere, bag of something in, in a brown paper bag, drinking it, hoping for life to turn around for me. When will it work out for him? In any event, uh, we'll be back when the next exciting Arsenal things happen. Uh, I hope you have a wonderful summer, a wonderful World Cup. And when we uh, make that next huge, exciting signing, we'll be back to discuss it. Thanks, everyone.